Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! So our goal this last month has been to rediscover the, the joy of Christmas, the, the meaning of Christmas, the, the Christmas story, uh, you know, say it how, however you want. That's been our journey for a month now together. So I noticed we got a lot of new faces here tonight, so let me try to catch us all up to speed on what we've been talking about for a month or so. Uh, we've been looking at this story in light of, the, again, like I said a little bit earlier, the bigger story that the Christmas story is a part of, um, because it started in Genesis, obviously, and ends in Revelation, and there's a lot that happens, a lot that's said, all leading up to the story of Christmas. And when that story of Christmas happens, when that moment happens, and light comes into the world, we have something that has been, at that point, waited on, like I said, for thousands of years, ever since Genesis chapter 3 and Deuteronomy and all those Isaiah verses and all the verses that we've been looking at for a month, all of that finally was here. And then it means something moving forward as well. And the reason we want to do this, the reason it's important to slow down and try to think about the details of the story like this is because, like I said, that's how Jesus sees the Christmas story. That's how Jesus sees his life in general as fitting into a much bigger narrative than just the three years that he was here uh, doing public ministry, right? 33 years in his life. And so if you go and you look at uh, Luke chapter 24, this is what Jesus says. Post-resurrection, he's got some confused disciples. They don't really understand what's happened. They're all depressed because their Messiah is dead, right? Or so they think. And he comes up and he says this. He says, look, beginning with all the scriptures, right? All of them you see there, all the prophets and with Moses. So it's like he's stepping all the way back to the beginning. He interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So Jesus, again, he sees his life and the story that he lived here on this earth as being a part of something much, much bigger. So again, that's been our our hope of trying to rediscover the Christmas story is to see how big it actually is. Now, we've been doing that in Advent. So each week we've looked at a different, uh, I guess, part of the story moving forward. The first week was hope. And we looked like we went way back and we looked from the very beginning, looking ahead to Jesus' arrival. At at the time, what they thought was just this Messiah, right? This hoped for person that would come and fulfill all these great titles, right? Of uh, of this, just what Isaiah would say in chapter 40, this uh, immeasurable God, right? This one that would be this wonderful, not just even uh, bigger than us, but the kind of God that can measure off the heavens with the span of his hand, right? That, that hope that was coming, because that's who we put our faith in, is the one that can bring that kind of hope. And so it was all in part one, looking forward. And then the next couple of weeks in part two, then we stepped into, okay, so Jesus is now here. And that was the joy week. And that week, that week was interesting because we didn't just look at Luke chapter 2 and the cool little manger scene that we all knew or maybe know, but we wanted to look in Revelation 12 and we wanted to see what was happening spiritually at the time of Jesus' arrival. And it was pretty intense. It's a very intense scene. So we looked at that, you know, what was happening. And then we started to move forward in the story of Christ and we looked at peace that's offered to us today. And something that was just last Sunday and something that was a takeaway for me and I just kind of to bring us back together this week uh, in this story is that peace from God is going to grow in proportion to your peace with God. 
this is something I did not make up myself. This is just observational. Like seeing people in my life that I look up to and admire, I see the peace that comes from God because their peace with God is something that's real and it's close and it's, and it's like it's worked on, right? And so I see that in them. And those are the kind of people that I want to emulate. I, I want my life to reflect that kind of a statement that I can get to see in other people because that's what Jesus Christ says he came to give us, right? In the upper room, right before he goes to be crucified, he just keeps talking about this peace that's offered to his disciples and, of course, to us. But Advent's over. So you do the four Sundays traditionally before Christmas. So those are gone. So now what? Right? Like now what happens? Now where do we go from here? Well, I'm going to bring us back to our question that we've been considering during the series. And I would throw this out to you. Very personal question for you. This Advent season, this Christmas season, what would it look like for you to embrace the freedom Jesus offers you, right? You. Again, I know a lot of your stories, but there's a lot of visitors tonight, and I definitely don't know your stories, but what would this be for you? This could be, this could mean a couple things, okay? I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. Like, I've never really understood the purpose of Jesus coming. I don't, you know, I, I didn't really know. I didn't put the clues together, but Jesus came to go to the cross and pay for my sin. So first is, okay, that's how Jesus understood his whole purpose on earth. His whole mission was really about that. The whole Old Testament was pointing forward to that moment on the cross, right? That's how Jesus understood that. So that's step one, freedom, entering into that relationship with him. Step two then, you're like, okay, I've done that. Well, what freedom then is in your life now that's offered to you that you need to accept? Because I know a lot of people walk around angry. They walk around bitter. They walk around full of lust. They walk around full of gossip and judgment and just all kinds of wounded toxicity from their past, all kind of wounded toxicity from where they live right now, the people in their lives, the people that say things to them and do things to them, on and on and on and on. And we carry that stuff around just like this heavy weight. And I do believe that Jesus offers freedom and that kind of stuff as well. So what would it look like for you to embrace that? Because here's how Paul said it. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5. Next, For freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. I love the freedom. I mean, it's stated right up front, but then Paul reminds us. Like, what was is what was. Like, if you're a follower of Christ, that is what was. That's in your past. Don't keep going back to that stuff. That, that, that toxicity that might be in your back, background, or maybe even just like that, that sin that you've given yourself permission to commit. We've all got that little sin. We've given ourselves like a, a free pass, right? Well, God understands me. He gets me. He knows me. He does, and that's why he says stop, <laughs> right? Like he gets us. He does. He understands that sin is not good for us, and we need to stop giving ourselves permission. So here's the thing about the Christmas story in general, but I think uh, it, bigger than that of Christianity, uh, I found to be true from people that I talk to, especially people that are skeptical of Christianity or, or Jesus or, you know, a million different things around faith. Um, they look at it really as a system of do's and don'ts. And then the people that are supposed to follow that system of do's and don'ts don't do the do's and don'ts. And we call those kinds of people hypocrites, right? So if that is the view of Christianity as a whole, that really muddies the waters. And so I believe though we need to look beyond that because there is certainly the do's and don'ts. And if you look at it in light of the freedom that Jesus Christ offers us, 
you do tend to look at the do's and don'ts differently. Like, if you really believe that, if you really believe that Jesus Christ came to give you freedom, that he really wishes for you an abundant life, like he says in John 10, if you really believe that he has your absolute best interest at heart and in mind, and when he prayed for us in John 17, that he absolutely wants you to know the Father as he does, then you begin to look at do's and don'ts differently. Right? You begin to look at them as, okay, he does have my best interest in mind. Sin is not something that I should just keep wading into and then suffering consequences because of. Right? So there is an importance there in the do's and don'ts, but it's got to be absolutely more than that, right? I mean, if Jesus Christ, if God himself came into this world, it had to be for more than do this, don't do that. It had to be more than just do this, don't do that. And so to look at this story together um, of what Jesus, okay, so he came at Christmas time. What was the purpose though? Again, what was that freedom about? What is going on there? Do we have any way to step into that freedom? What is, what is the New Testament saying now that as the New Testament moves on after the Christmas story, what, is, what are they continuing to talk about in light of the freedom that we have offered to us? And in Romans 6 through 8, you have the Apostle Paul really drilling down into this. And so to answer the question about, you know, as, as we move forward in this life, what's offered to us and the struggle that goes with it, that's really in Romans 6, 7, and 8. And it's important to read these together. And obviously, I'm not going to read all three of these tonight. I've got like 20 minutes I'm going to be with you. So we're not going to read. That's a lot of scripture. I'm just going to pull some verses out so you can see a rhythm that Paul gets into here in these three chapters. And then just so if you don't have any idea what the book of Romans is about, it's a letter to Christians that live in... Ah, right? Rome. So they live in Rome, and that's a crazy place, right? It's a major metropolitan area with lots of different stuff going on there. And he writes this letter to these Christians, and he basically says, this is everything you need to know. This is his uh, absolute master thesis, right? This is Paul laying everything out, Christianity 101. This is what we believe. And then chapters 12 through 16, by the time he gets to there, it's like, okay, how do you then apply all this knowledge? Because God's not looking for scholarship. He's looking for discipleship right? He's not looking for people just to study him. He's looking for people to follow him and be changed and change the world and bring light and hope and peace and joy into the world because they're his followers. That's what's offered to us. And so in these chapters, interestingly, here's what Paul does. He breaks this down in like three very helpful ways, I think, for us. Because at Koibog, we want to teach good theology. We want to teach good doctrine, but we also want to just really be practical. Like, okay, why does this matter for you sitting here today? right? What difference does this make in your life? So Romans chapter six, basically one of the big ideas is God gives us freedom. There is freedom that is offered to us. And then what we see in chapter seven, though, this is where we live under our own power. We struggle to embrace that freedom. And this chapter seven, a big theme is at the end of this chapter is Paul really struggling. Okay. I just got done saying Paul, like that God gives us all this freedom. And yet here I am in this world. That's where the, the rub is, right? That's where the tension is. We have this available, but man, we are still human beings, aren't we? And we can be buttheads, can't we? Yeah. There we go. Somebody's willing to be honest. Yes. Yes, we can. And then chapter 8. However, I love, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can experience the power, the victory, and the freedom that's offered. So that's where we're going to be, spoiler alert, tonight. That's what we're going to be looking at just briefly because this is real world for us, what Jesus Christ offers us. And this is what the New Testament's working out. If you didn't know what the New Testament was about, it's them saying, okay, here's this Jesus, here's this message. How do we work this out? How do we live this out in real time, in real life?
So let's not get too far away from the Christmas story. What was offered at this scene right here? So Luke chapter 2, right, the scene of the angels. Um, Just to remind us, next slide. But the angel says to them, don't be afraid for look. I proclaim to you good news. So this good news, again, every time this is used in the New Testament after this point, it's always talking about the life, but more importantly, the death, burial, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So right here, you have a victory announcement. That's what this is. It's not just an arrival announcement. It's a victory announcement of what Jesus would eventually do. I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Well, going on a little bit later. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you. He is a savior. You can't be a savior if you don't actually save anybody, right? If you're a loser, you're not a savior. So this is a victory announcement at the birth of Jesus. This is exactly what this dude is going to do. He is going to be a savior. He is going to give you life, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And then next, suddenly there was a great multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel. We looked at that a couple weeks ago, praising God and saying this, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Major announcement, that is like the victory announcement that's, that is told to these shepherds. And so when we think do's and don'ts of Christianity, of following Jesus, we also need to like couch that in light of the freedom that Jesus Christ offers, right? Because if your parents tell you don't touch the stove when it's hot, they're offering you freedom from pain. That's essentially what they're offering you, right? But when you're little, you're like, can't tell me what to do, right? That's human nature. Don't touch that button. What's everybody want to do? That's why Adam and Eve is such an awesome story. Don't eat the fruit, guys. You got all this other stuff. And they're like, mmm, but that fruit, that fruit, right? It's just that, that human nature in us. So what was offered because of this great announcement? So let's go and briefly look at uh, these, ch- these three chapters. So verse 1, Paul says this, kind of rhetorically. So in light of the freedom that we're given, should we continue to sin so that grace may multiply? Basically, look, if God gives us more grace every time we sin, wouldn't it be better for us just to keep on sinning and then God could just keep piling grace on? And Paul says in verse 2, no, dummy, absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? You know, stop thinking that way is what Paul's saying. Clearly, this is an issue that he needs to address. You're free now. Don't live that way. And then when we baptize people here at Quaybog Church, we do it right over there. And we say something that comes out of this passage right here. Verse 3. Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Right? We're dead to sin now is what that means. We're free from it. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may do what? Walk in newness of life. Right? There's something that's been offered in real time for us because of what Christ did. And then skipping ahead to verse 22. But now, since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, so now you're under new ownership, is what Paul's saying. You used to be under the ownership of sin. Now you're under the ownership of God. So he's using slavery imagery to say, look, this is like total ownership. You know, when you accepted Christ, you went from being dead to being alive. And now he says, you have your fruit or your life, your good deeds which result in sanctification or that process of becoming like Jesus. And the outcome is eternal life. That's a contrast. And then here is verse 23. The wages of sin are death, or the payment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why did he come? Why was he born that Christmas night? Well, for freedom. 
Paul would say over and over and over again in the New Testament, for you in this life and in the next, right? It's not just like one or the other. Jesus Christ is all-encompassing, and he says, I want you to have freedom in this life. I want you to be blessed in this life. I really do, and I want you to have eternal heaven. I want you to have that. I want you to have this kind of thing. That's what Jesus was born for. But unfortunately, though, the problem, again, is that we are human beings, and we are not perfect, right? There's only one of those. That was Jesus. So there's this struggle that we are going to live in in this life. Now, please don't walk away being like, oh, man, Christmas Eve, uh, Pastor Kyle said it's okay to sin because, hey, we're just human. Don't quote me as saying that. Like, I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that there is a very real struggle. The struggle is that the freedom is offered, but will we choose it? Will we, will we actively, there's a part of our will that we have to engage in that and say, okay, I'm going to choose to follow Christ. Because look what he says in chapter 7. Here's the struggle. Here's the peace and the freedom that's offered. But then we go to chapter 7. <laughs> and this is probably a very familiar verse. Maybe if you've not heard it, but you've lived it. For I do not understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Anybody ever been there and experienced the joy of doing that? So uh, God always gives me opportunities to do these things. Brittany's smiling because she knows I'm a butthead. Um, she, was, the other night, was asking me to do some stuff, and I just didn't want to do it. So what did I do? I got belligerent, and I shut down, and I just didn't talk to her. And I went to my sad little man cave of emotion, my glass case of emotion, and I just didn't talk to her. And she was all upset about it. And obviously, since I'm a good husband, I went and I made up, right? No, I just kept being silent. I just kept going further into the emotional cave. And finally, I did come back out. But the whole time, I'm thinking, I'm going to be preaching on this verse in like a day. <laughs> like less than 24 hours, I'm going to get up in front of God and everybody. And I'm going to be like, yeah, you guys, aren't you all feel terrible about yourself for doing this? And God's just like, man, how about you be humble, Kyle? And how about you live this stuff out? And so I eventually did. Brittany can attest to that. Took me a little bit, but... It's like, this was my moment. I knew the right thing to do, and yet I did exactly what I hated. Man, don't we all live there sometimes. So, next, going on, he says, For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my flesh, right, in my sinful nature. For the desire to do what is good, that's, that is with me, chapter 6, right? it's possible, but there's no ability to do it. <laughs> so he's just kind of, this is like a hopeless feeling. And Paul's just kind of giving us this window into his life of how that struggle feels. Yes, it's offered. No, I'm not a slave to sin anymore. But man, I still struggle with it sometimes. You know? So he keeps going. Verse 19. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Like these verses are ringing in my head just last night. It's frustrating. Um, so frustrating. And then God's like, you're going to talk about this tomorrow. And I'm like, I know. And then he closes up though. I mean, desperate moments here, but then he closes up chapter seven next. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? I mean, just desperate feelings here. But however, thanks be to God, to Christ Jesus, our Lord. I love that. It ends on that note. He's just the reality of the struggle, but he says, but I know I've got victory in Christ. And then that's where chapter 8 comes in. So just to remind us, you got chapter 6, freedom is available. Chapter 7, the struggle's real. Chapter 8, with the Holy Spirit's help, we can experience the power of victory and freedom that he offers us. We don't have to do relational damage. Because I could have kept going down that road further and further and further. 
But my lovely wife, early on in that moment, she said, you know what Satan's doing to us right now, right? And I was just like, oh, I hate when she's right like this. <laughs> and I'm just like, yes, I do. And I know it's available to me. And I don't have to do this relational damage that I'm doing right now. So I, like, I literally had to listen to these passages of scripture to pull out of that kind of thinking. So that launches us into chapter 8. And in verse 1 of chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says this. In light of what he just got done saying, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, there's no longer any condemnation. That's beautiful. I love that. And he goes on in verse 1. He says, in verse 2, Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then in verse 6, to kind of keep this idea going, he says, Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit, that, that is life and peace. And that is what Christ wants us to experience in this life by following Him, by walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh or in sinful stuff. So again, for you, that could be, you know, that could be anything. That could, again, like I said earlier, the gossip, right, the judgment. It could be lust. It could be anger. There's a lot of these things that are kind of under the surface. They don't all need to be like out for everybody to see. But it's like, will you choose that freedom, that way of life that's offered to us? And then he says in verse 15, he says, You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Because if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, what the New Testament says is that you're now a child of God. That's a big deal. You go from being a creation of God to now being a child of God. And so we've been adopted into his family through what Christ did on the cross, all because he came on Christmas night, right? This is what was offered to us. Not a slave to fear. And I know so many people that are a slave to fear. They're eaten up by it. You got COVID, the flu, you got RSV, you got the economy, you got war raging everywhere. You got the wrong political party doing this or that. It's like, man, we just live in fear, so many of us. And he's like, you don't have that kind of spirit. If you're a follower of Christ, that's not you anymore. It's an option. It's something that's available to you. Will you step into it? And then here's what gets really good. This is the beautiful part we'll close up on. Verse 35. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution? Can famine or nakedness or danger or sword? We're talking real difficulty here. Written by a man who's suffered real difficulty in his life. And in verse 37, no, no, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else created will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, that's powerful. No matter what life throws at you. I mean, that's a lot of stuff right there. Doesn't matter. Follower of Jesus. Christmas is proof that you have hope. That you're never alone the creator of the universe has got you. I mean, that's, that's saying something right there. So it wasn't just a little baby in the manger. It was victory, victory, plain and simple, that was offered to us. And I absolutely love that. Because remember, this right here, I think this is where we live. This the kind of synopsis of these three chapters. Go to the next one there. God gives us freedom. Next one. But under our own power, man, we're going to struggle to embrace that freedom. That's going to be difficult. Even if we know Christ as Savior... However, with the Holy Spirit's help, we can experience the power, victory, and freedom that Christ offers in this life, in this life. And that is what makes Christmas so powerful because of what's offered. And so there is this, this divide, like I said earlier, 
of, of embracing the freedom maybe for the first time and saying, you know what, I, didn't, I never realized what the story was all about. I never understood why Jesus came, why the Christmas story, why the cross, what was going on. First and foremost, then, is to say, all right, well, I need to accept Christ as my Savior. Right? Like I said, we've, I don't always know everybody's story. Certainly when visitors come, I don't know your story. So what does it mean to accept Christ as your Savior? Well, here's how you do it. You want to do it? This is how you do it right now, tonight. In prayer, right now, to God, between you and Him, if you've never done it before, you say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. And I need a Savior. And that's what you did. You came. You were born to be my Savior. And I accept you as my Savior. And I want you to be my Lord. I want to be under new management. So I give you my life, Lord. And I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. That's how you start a relationship with God. That's, that's what Jesus Christ came for. That's the message that he told his disciples to spread. And if you did that afterward, I want you to come up and talk to us. We'd love for you to fill out a connect card. I mean, because we want to, well, what's next, right? So I said some prayer. What now? Well, we want to help you with the what now. So make sure you can come talk to us. We'll have some leaders up front. We, we want to make sure you can get that settled before you leave. Like, oh, okay, so what now? I'm a part of a really big story. Now what do I do, right? But then on the other hand, say that you've already done that. Then you need to ask yourself, okay, so what am I holding on to? What's my secret sin I'm giving myself permission to commit? What just wounded thing am I just doing repeatedly because that's all I've ever known? But I can see the damage it's doing in my life. There's freedom there as well. And if you need to talk to somebody, you need to praise somebody before you go, do that as well tonight. Because Jesus brings freedom. Like tonight is what I'm talking about, right? Like tonight. Let's not just be like, oh, Christmas Eve service, then bounce, right? Let's accept that peace that he offers us. Because it's like this. And I'll close with this little here. This is a what? Yes. Ultimately, it's just a box. <laughs> but you wrap it up, and now it's a present. Now it holds all kind of hopes and dreams. You know what I'm saying? Like, who knows what's in this box, man? This could be anything. And the bigger the box, the better, right? You ever see kids when they're at Christmas morning, all sorts of little things, don't care. Where's the big box? <laughs> right? And it's like, man, there's $400 million in that little envelope. Don't care. Let me get the big box, right? And then if they're real little, don't even need anything in it. I'll play in the box and I will throw the toy completely away. However, what is up with a gift though? A gift, as beautiful as it and well-wrapped, I might add, as this might be, this is just a box that's wrapped in paper at the end of the day, unless, unless you accept the gift and more importantly, open the gift. That's like what salvation is. That's what freedom in Christ in this life, even as a follower of Jesus, is like. Jesus may offer you the peace, Romans chapter 6, but man, are you, like, are you embracing and accepting that peace or not? Now, I'm not going to open this box tonight. This is your own metaphorical spiritual box you've got to open up tonight, right? Because I don't even think there's anything in it. But think about that. Like, it's a gift. The freedom is a gift. And here we are at Christmas. How many of you are going to go home and not open anything tonight or tomorrow, right? Nah, I'm good. Just let it sit under there. It's not what we do with gifts. We open them. Let's open the gift of freedom that Jesus Christ offers us. Amen? Amen. All right. So, Lord, as we continue to worship tonight, Lord, would you be with us? Would you help us just embrace and, and step into the freedom that you offer, that you bring Jesus Christ freely to us? Continue to work in our hearts as we just get to sing and celebrate who you are, Jesus. And I pray that in your name, Lord. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. 
So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.